Hi everyone, I'm Steve Tudor and welcome to The Friday Show. It's a show that can't quite make up its mind as to what's worse, the thought of actually contracting coronavirus or being subjected to yet another desperately unfunny video being sent to its phone where toilet rolls are a new currency. With the pandemic obviously still very much at the forefront of our minds and the Premier League remaining an irrelevance in comparison, this week we'll once again be looking at the game from another angle. This time asking our guests to pick out the best, worst and firsts of his footballing journey. And our guest, making his debut no less, is Joe Butterfield. Good morning Joe, how goes it? Morning, yeah, it's, uh, it's alright, it's not too bad all things considered. And yeah, all things considered are very kind of surreal situation right now of uh you're in self-isolation yeah so i'm usually working out of an office but for the last um since last monday so I've, this is my second week now i've been working from home and it's all uh it's it's i'm i'm starting to hate my box room in the, in yeah. the house already it's uh it's getting very it's very weird to get used to yeah I, I have the same it's my kind of box room is has always been my office and um <laughs> it's something i actually always espouse to people when they say that they're thinking of working from home it's like whatever you do don't get a laptop open downstairs on the table or something like that try and just isolate a kind of you know a room which is your office because then you can close the door and you're done for the day that's it yeah yeah i've just i've i've, I've, I've always wanted to have i just want to have a, a space where i can do it and like this is ideal but it's yeah the four walls around me are starting to look more and more like dreary as the days yeah. go on but at least once i'm done i can just step outside and that's it i'm done then yeah well let's have a look at your footballing journey it's um i sent some questions over to you um the other day i'll be chipping yep. in with a couple of my own kind of um, thoughts on different players. We're kind of looking really at um, the Premier League um, and basically you can answer them however you wish, whether you want to concentrate on the present day or look back, going back to 1992. Um, And I have asked you um, kind of where possible to avoid City um, so we can have a more general kind of footballing kind of discussion. But of course, if City is your answer, then so be it. Um, So we'll begin with... Who was the first player that caught your imagination? Um, it was quite an easy one for me. This uh, Thierry Henry is always the nice. one that um, immediately comes to mind with this one because uh, he was sort of the first player. Do you know when, when when you play school when you play at school like football on the playground and you, you all pick a player who you want to be? Yeah. Uh, Thierry Henry was always was always the one for me. Um, the, it's it's that sort of he was just like exciting, fast goal scorer that I think all kids sort of really enjoy instinctively just watching those kind of players that that trademark side foot into the bottom corner it's always something that whenever I was little I always I always tried to do it mm. um I still try to do it now uh not not very well <laughs> but I still try to do it um and yeah no it's uh, it's even when you but then with him as well as I've got older and like now I've got a bit more of like a footballing brain about me like I can watch his highlights and see like highlights of old games that he used to play and like appreciate him even more than I used to yeah um, but yeah, for, for me, he was sort of the, 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 the first Premier League player, at least, that really sort of made me fall in love with football. His stats were just phenomenal, weren't they? And, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, although, actually, you look at his stats and you think, oh my God, that's incredible. And then you look at Alan Shearer's stats. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I think yeah. that. I think the thing with Henri was that it's like he was he was such a great goal scorer. I mean, it's taken Aguero so long to surpass him, but mm. he was also he, he had he had assists to his game as well. Like he he's got the record season for assists that De Bruyne is trying to trying to break. And if the season gets finished, then hopefully he can try and break this season. But um, yeah, it's it's mad that he was such an effective goal scorer, but also so good at 
the the rest of his game as well. I mean, obviously Aguero is very good at the rest of his game as well, but he's never he's not got the assist numbers that Henri does, and I think to be such a good goal scorer and also such a good provider as well, mm. it's uh, it's 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 mad. Yeah. Well, I'm considerably older than you, um, so I'm going. To be fair, I'm going right back to when I was a very little lad, just a kind of first conscious awakening of football. But I'm going back to the early '80s to the Southampton team and uh, striker Steve Moran. Um, oh. I just loved that that same team in the early '80s for Patrick Kitt, the, the weird sponsors there, Draper Tools and Air Florida and Rank Xerox and. Uh, David Armstrong in that team as well, who just looked like a benevolent uncle, didn't look like a footballer at all. <laughs> but Steve Moran, he just kind of, he looked like a kid basically. And I was a kid and he just looked like he was the youngster in the team and he scored loads of goals yeah. and, um, at that really kind of tight packed kind of Dell, uh, ground. Yeah. And yeah. So Steve Moran was the first, because I used to be a striker when, you know, from a school team. And so he's the one for me. But in terms of quality, you know, as good as he was, yeah, it doesn't obviously compare to, to Henri. It helps too, yeah. it has to be said that, you know, Henri, as phenomenal as he was, that team, you know, the players he had around him, Perez. Um, oh, yeah. 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 I, th- I think that's kind of the same thing that people say about a lot of City players now, though, isn't it, really? Where it's like, oh, well, of course he's great because he's in a great team. Mm. And and Henri definitely did. He, he definitely did have that luxury the same way that City players do now. Um, but I, I think the fact that he, mind you, he went to a... He went to a equally if not more gifted Barcelona side and did it there yeah. as well but I think I think he's got it's it's kind of like the same thing with David Villa where he went over to America and even when he was old he was still like comfortably the best player in the league <laughs> and it's just like I, 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 I as much as people sort of like to you know take, take the mick out of the MLS and sort of say that it's a bit of a retirement league I always quite it's the same reason why I've enjoyed watching the bits of David Villa at New York City when he was there I kind of like I like the idea of someone who's like obviously so much better than everybody else in the country just turning up and playing there because they know they'll be the best player there. Yeah, um, yeah but it was, it's, well, it's, it's good that you did For that it. same reason, kind of, or a similar reason at least, I love watching um, players such as, say, John Barnes, um, <coughs> or, you know, even kind of Ryan Giggs did it briefly, and I, I loved watching this role. I love kind of absolutely brilliant kind of wide players or flair players when their legs have gone a bit, and so they go into kind of midfield, and they just yeah, spray yeah, it yeah. about. And, they, you know, they're so comfortable in that role. You know, they can just spray it around in a quarterback role all day long. I love watching Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that, that's probably something we, I'd, I'd like to think we might see Messi maybe do that one yes. day if he, if, yeah. he, if his legs if his legs ever do go, which it looks like, considering how they still are now at his age now, I think that might never actually happen. Yeah. But I think if he if he does, he could he could easily just like sit in front of a back four and just pass it to whoever he wants all day long. Yeah, and I can watch all that all day long as well. I love, love exactly. those type of players and... So, going back to your childhood, what was the first FA Cup final that you clearly remember? See, this is, I, I, I kind of struggled with this one because for, for me, it's, and I know this might be a sacrilege on this, uh, on this podcast, for, especially with, if Howard's listening. I, FA Cup finals, I think as someone who sort of grew up supporting Manchester City and never really saw them get very far in them, the, the FA Cup final day never really meant right. that much for me. Um, I sort of had to go back through, um, through old FA Cup finals to kind of cheat to find an answer <laughs> but the one that I've the one that I do remember most um vividly is the 2007 FA Cup final um which was uh, it was Chelsea won United nil and it had um Didier Drogba scored yes um, that that very good goal that, I, that I, I gave that another watch as well and I remember I specifically remember watching that in my grandparents house um 
because it when you when you're that when I was like I think I was 14 15 like a teenager and just like not really going to your grandparents is the most exciting thing in the world when you're that age and you're a moody teenager so like I just remember sitting back and watching the football and just yeah watching Drogba's another player who like was really was one of the the, the ones that I enjoyed oh, watching yeah. Yeah. and uh yeah seeing seeing them do that especially to United as well when you're a City fan you just as much as United won the league that season it's just it's nice to just see United lose as well which was uh, made it all the sweeter well I don't blame me fan to, to Google all that you know because for about five six years it seemed to be Chelsea Arsenal or United just sharing yeah. every year in the cup final exactly there's no one new I mean I'm going back to 84 to Everton New Watford and uh, that was the yeah. big one that had the biggest impact on me I guess and Elton John kind of crying beforehand um, to abide with me, and um, you know. Oh, that's a, that's a clip that always does the rounds, isn't it? Yeah. Whenever Watford, I think that that did a, that did a lot of um, that, that got a, a good good out in when it was uh, us against Watford last season. Didn't it did it? Elton John's FA Cup memories in that weird kind of straw hat of his, and um, yeah, and, and that very <laughs> contentious goal as well, scored by Andy Gray, which is uh, it, I watch it and. I think, oh yeah, after a legitimate goal, and then I watch it three months later or something, and I think, that was clearly a foul on the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but it was different eras. You know, these days, God, just touch a keeper and that's it. But back then, oh God, yeah. yeah. Um, what about World Cups then? Um, did they have more of a, an impact on you? Is there any kind of you know particular World Cup that stands out um, as you're growing up? Yeah, yeah. So the, the this one was this one was the easiest one. Um, the two the two thousand and two World Cup was um was the one that really um that really got me the uh, Japan Korea one. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the first World Cup that I remember being able to like sit at home and watch. Cause I think it was it was always early in the morning it that it was on, wasn't yeah. it? Because of the because of the time difference. Um, the the one game in particular I remember watching was uh, the, probably the one that every England fan remembers: the England v Brazil. Where um, Ronaldinho <laughs> scored that free kick, yeah. um, we had to. We went into school early to uh, to go and watch it. Um, we had like everyone, it was set up in like the assembly hall, and like everyone right. went in an hour, half an hour early to watch it. And for some reason, I remember I distinctly remember for some reason there were a few people there. Everyone in the school was English, and there were a few people who actively like cheered when Brazil <laughs> won, as if they were Brazil fans. And I, I just never never understood it. But um, yeah, no, that that was that's a World Cup that I, that I remember most. It's a lot of a lot of good games from that World Cup. I remember Germany battering uh, Saudi Arabia as well at that World Cup. It was uh, yeah, it was it was a good one. So was Ronaldinho one of the players who kind of stood out for you in that kind of um, era, or were there other players kind of from that World Cup who, who you, you particularly liked? Uh, yeah, so there's Ronaldinho. I think a lot of that Brazil team, to be yeah. honest, I think that was uh, Ronaldo, Ronaldo as well. That was when he was sort of at his at the height of his powers. Um, Rivaldo as well. I remember, I remember the. the the turkey game where yeah. he decided to uh, to go down clutching clutching his face after so, after the ball got kicked against his thigh um who else is hakan suka's a name that i uh, yeah. that i seem to remember as well from that from that world cup yeah there was a lot there were a lot of them um, but i remember the uh, the korea team did really well in that world cup didn't they yeah. they got to the well, did they did they get to the third place playoff did they get did they get so, third? i mean yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And see, see, as, 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 I don't remember watching it at the time and thinking that it was very suspicious, but I was, you know, I was too young to really understand like bad refereeing decisions at that point. Mm. But yeah, I've, I've gone back and watched highlights now, and yeah, it was, uh, yeah, there were a lot of sus- a lot of suspicions around that. One. Oh god, that game against Italy is just staggering when you look at some of the decisions <laughs> taken. And um, I'm going back to 1982, um, yep. to the, particularly the, the um, England v France game. And Brian Robson scoring after whatever it was, twenty-seven seconds, something like that. 
Um, so vivid in my mind. It was kind of like I could even remember where I was to the extent where almost I'm watching myself watching it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, a, that was a real big awakening for me in, in terms of my love of football. So, um, so you, more than, more than me really, uh, grew up in an era when Manchester United were dominant. Um, which red did you reluctantly admire and maybe even enjoy watching? Um, Oh, this one, this one was, this one was a tough one. Cause when you, when you, when, when you're, uh, especially when you're little, you really can't, you can't have the same sort of appreciation for like opposition players you do. Now, when you're little, it's like, oh, Manchester United are bad. Yes. Like, I, I hate all of their players. Kind of like, I mean, well, that might, that might not necessarily change when you grow up, to be honest. Um, but I think Van Nistelrooy is one of those who like, I, I really, really hated him. I really didn't like him. We used to, me and, me and my house sort of used to know him for being, like a lot a bit of a diver and like all the all the sort of classic things you would throw against someone who you don't like but at the same time he was incredibly good like part of the reason why i hated him was because he was very good and he was he was playing for united and scoring lots of goals all the time and he's another one way if you like Thierry Henry like if you go back and watch his highlights now you sort of just see just how like lethal he was in this in in the penalty area which is basically the only place he ever scored goals anyway and uh but yeah, just I think I think he's the only one. I really had to I really had to struggle to like get that answer out of myself well, as well. Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I struggled and then I stumbled upon Cantona and I thought, ah, oh, that's the acceptable answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think Cantona is the one that everyone that everyone can sort of. I think having not watched him myself, but having seen what a lot yeah. of people sort of say about him, he's he's the one that everyone goes, oh yeah, you can you can respect what what he did, and you can sort of admire how good he was, even if you didn't even if you didn't like him or the team he played for. I've got to admit, I, I loved his his kind of kung fu kick. I, I was I oh was on yeah. his side on that one. And, yeah, um, that is a, yeah. that that's the that's the stuff of legends. That kick, even even that'll that'll follow him wherever he goes. Yeah, and and you know the seagulls quote afterwards. I remember distinctly thinking. Hang on a minute. Why is everyone laughing at that? It's, it's obvious what he's referring to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I I heard that, and then like obviously when I think the first time I heard it was when I was like a teenager, and I just thought, yeah, that's a stupid quote. And then like you, then you grow up, and you're like, oh, actually, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, a, it's it's an obvious. Me- like you think you think a room full of journalists would understand it immediately, <laughs> yeah. but and they probably did as well. There's a lot of kind of currency in, in basically packaging him as this kind of eccentric poet but yeah it was quite clear he was you know what he meant and yeah yeah definitely um okay is there a premier league player that you always felt never got the credit that they deserved there's a couple for this one so the first one that i came i i, I know we tried to avoid manchester city players but the first one that i came that came to my mind immediately was gareth barry oh yeah um, to sort of to to play as many games he has done, like to have the to have the record number of Premier League appearances, and when you consider the sort of the plaudits or likes of Skulls and um, Skulls, Gerard Lampard, Giggs, like they get for for the longevity that they had in the Premier League, like for for him to for him to have been so consistent basically over nearly 20 years um mm. in the premier league is just is is just great and he played a really important part in our first title winning side as well um i think he got like i think he's got more than 50 caps for england as well and it's one of them and as i was i actually looked at his wikipedia page to sort of just double check the stats before doing this he's actually still playing for west brom like i had no idea <laughs> i had no idea that he was actually still under contract there and that he's still that he's still actually playing yeah. football it's I, I don't think it will he ever retire i don't know it's uh is but he's yeah i think he's uh he's the first one that stood out to me when i when i got the question uh, who's the second uh, the second one was uh, it's just sort of a, more of a notable mention really to uh, Mark Noble kind of for the same mm. kind of for the same reasons because I think he's just 
his his longevity is like again it's just underrated like the 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 amount of time like how good you have to be and to, to play in the premier league for for 20 years like it's it's something that kind of goes a bit under the radar a lot of the time and to see considering that he's been what has been effectively like the the beating heart and like the captain like the 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 long-standing captain of west ham and a lot of different west ham squads as well with the mm. turmoil that that club's had over the last 20 years um yeah i i think he's a, he's another one I'll go along with that. I, I think he's um, far too typecast as as a type almost, where people say, you know, oh, we need a Mark Noble type. Yeah. And um, kind of, you know, suggesting that he is all about kind of enthusiasm and kind of passion. But, yeah, there's a lot more to his game. And obviously, you, you don't make the amount of appearances he's made for no. a Premier League club without having a lot of quality. And, and you know, he, he ticks him along nicely, doesn't he, in midfield? Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how about you? Uh, the one I really struggled with this one, and then I remembered being really pissed one night and just going <laughs> on about this, this player all night long to this, this guy, um, Gilberto Silva at Arsenal. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And even when people, never mind when talk, people are talking about the Premier League, even when people are just talking about that Arsenal team, yeah, yeah. hardly anyone would mention him. No. And yet he was hugely influential to them. Um I love the fact that his nicknames are, well, he has two, The Invisible Wall and The, <laughs> the Piano Carrier, um, both pretty cool. Um, yeah. And, yeah, he, he was just, okay, he was industrious, and, but he, he had an elegance to his game as well. Um, he's, I, I checked this online, I, I didn't know this, but he's twice gone 45 games or more without receiving a booking during his Arsenal career. And in, in that role that he played and being yeah. as good as he was in that role, that's just staggering. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna almost, I was almost about to just compare him to like almost the Fernandinho of that Arsenal side. And then you mentioned yeah. that he'd not got booked for 45 <laughs> games. And then, then I, had to, I had to quickly just put that comparison in the bin. But uh, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. He's like, it was that kind of, the, I think it was the same as Gareth Barry in the same way. It's like mm. the player who you never really noticed. Like you didn't, you didn't see him. You didn't see what he did. So you just, forgot about how good he was and then he then he gets that then he gets lost from the side and then suddenly you, you, you see what you're missing i think a lot of arsenal fans still to this day are a bit annoyed that they've never really replaced him yeah well they've bought god what 20 players to try and replace him and oh, yeah. um, not never come close currently they have like you know three or four in a squad who you know essentially they're trying to make into the next silver and you know again they come nowhere close so no right the next one oh i have to rub my hands at this one then <laughs> The most overrated player in the Premier League era. Oh God! I hope I hope that I'm not the only person who's put this in answer. You may well have a you may well have a a, a very robust response um, to it, but Paul Scholes. Oh no uh, no no fair enough yeah yeah. It, it yeah. can't be. It's not. I need to sort of stress that it's and I, and I made had this argument with mate last night when I sort of told him that I was going to do this and he was going to be my answer. I need to stress that it's not because he's a bad footballer, mm. but it's because he's not one of the greatest footballers that's ever lived. Right. Um, and I think that's that's kind of what to me that's what Paul Scholes has always sort of looked back on. Um, he, he was a great player. He had like he, he could pass like nobody else could. Um, but as a midfielder, like as an all-round midfielder, he didn't really have much else to his game apart from that, with obviously the exception of like the odd wonder goal here and there. Mm. Um, but it feels like he's, he's one of those players who feels like once he got to the age of like 32, 33, it's like someone flicked a switch and then that was, and then Paul Scholes, Paul Scholes was suddenly being talked about as like one of the, one of the greatest mm. players of the generation. Whereas before that, it felt like he never really had done it. You might be able to correct me, but it never really felt like he had that done bef- before that. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, it's and obviously like the way that it's kind of what we were just saying then about wingers, like the way that he adapted his game, and once he got older, he just sort of like started to just sit back and play almost a payload role, and that was like obviously quite commendable. He was he was a great player, but the way that he's talked about if if he's in the same discussion as Lampard and Gerrard, like for me, it's a no brainer. Like he he comes third out of those three, like quite comfortably, I think. But um, yeah, that that. My mate didn't agree with me when I said that last night, so you may disagree with me now if, uh, for me saying that. But uh, yeah, for me, it's 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 easily Paul Scholes. Well, going by the same metric, I mean this what this isn't my answer, but going by the same metric, I put Ryan Giggs in there too. Yeah, um, I, I did. I did think about him as well. Yeah, because uh, you know, as you said about Scholes, you know, I'm not disputing how good Ryan Giggs was. Of course, he was an extremely talented footballer and uh, an extremely impactful footballer as well. Um, and he did it over the long term. But it's that latter thing which really stands out for me. It's, yeah. A lot of it is down to his longevity. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've watched countless games with Ryan Giggs in, and a lot of times he's just a, a good, decent winger. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, it's not like he did it week in, week out. Um, whereas certain <clears throat> players in that United team, you could say, did do it week in, week out. Yeah. Um, you know, say Roy Keane, for example. Um so yeah, I'd put rankings in there, but for me, the one who just epitomizes the kind of where we are now in terms of people becoming overly reliant on stats. You know, I use stats in my everyday job. I've got no yep. problem with you know, but Mesut Ozil. Oh, oh man. yeah. Oh my. How did I, how did I not remember Mesut Ozil? Yeah, yeah of course. He just does my head in. And, and Arsenal fans insist that he is better than David Silva. Insist, oh, and what we ridiculous. do you know, to do so is say, "Oh yeah, but look at his assists, and look at what his you know, passing ratio is, and all the rest of it." It's like, yeah, but I'll just trust my own eyes. Yeah, and when I watch him, you know, maybe I've seen Meza Ozil kind of fifty or sixty times. I think he's impressed me twice, two in two games, maybe out of those fifty or sixty, and Absolutely. certainly in about twenty of those games, I didn't even realize he was playing. What annoys me the most is that, because um, I think Gar- Gary Neville had like, when he, uh, it must have been three or four years ago now, maybe even longer, when Gary Neville was basically just sort of asking like, what does Mesut Ozil do? Like, what's his, what's his yeah. thing? And, and it seems like since then, Arsenal fans have sort of been on this like, this mission to prove that Ozil actually runs more than every other player in the squad. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, he might run far, but if he's not doing anything of note while he's running, like if he is just jogging around the pitch, not having any impact, which like you say to me, that seems like that's what happens like pretty much every game he plays. Yeah. Then, um, then, then, you know, it doesn't matter how good he is. Like it doesn't matter how much he runs even. It's not, he's not doing anything. I think it's quite funny as well. There's, there's like a, there's like almost a running joke of like the Urzel assist where it's like a five yard sideways pass before <laughs> someone scores a screamer. And it's just, it, it's, you know, the number of assists that you get aren't really necessarily always indicative. They can be, but they're not always indicative of just how good a, any one player is. Yeah. I, I would love to know. If, if they were given, you know, this question privately, we could just tick it on a, on a box and no one would know that they've given this answer. I would love to know how many Arsenal fans, if given a choice, would swap Ozil for David Silva, you know, oh, for both in their prime. If it's, if it's more than, if it's more than like, if it's more than 50% that would take Ozil instead of Silva, then there's, there's, there's I'm nothing that you can do. Yeah, there's, yeah. you can't do anything. And <laughs> um, the, the next question, I, I held back on, on Paul Scholes and there's a reason why we've become <clears throat> Oh, yeah, okay, this makes sense now, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, can you compile the perfect Premier League five-side team? Um, You can do it on the present players, or you could do it as an overall, kind of, throughout the Premier League era. Yeah, 
I've done it on I've done it on overall, so I've gone with um I've gone with a keeper, a defender, uh two midfielders and a striker. Same here, yeah. Um right, so the midfielder is uh no sorry the midfielder, the goalkeeper is um is Petr Cech. Um having been again it's a longevity thing, like the, the the amount of time that he spent in the Premier League. I think his time at Arsenal was maybe it, that was probably a bad move for him, but I think um, the the amount of time that he spent at Chelsea, and I think there was a, there was a, I'm sure I saw a stat going around on Twitter the other day that was about like overall save percentages or something in the Premier League, and I think Petr Cech's was like it was the obvious like outlier as like yeah. the best in the league ever, um, and yeah, I think he's he's an incredible keeper, and I think he's just the, to have done it in that Mourinho team as well, and to everything that came with that. Just think, yeah, he's uh, he's probably the best I've seen in the in the Premier League at least. Well, um, no argument for me there, but I, I've gone for Shay Given, but only for you know I I personally believe that Shay Given is right up there as one of the top three keepers, or at least would be if he ever came out for a cross or ever he left his goal. <laughs> so in five aside, obviously that's le- far less of a consideration. So as a, as a shot stopper, uh, you know Shay Given was just. Immense his, yeah. his, his reflexes, his, his positioning, his reaction um, were right up there. So yeah. I've gone for Shea Given, but only- oh, I've always I've always had a soft spot, soft spot Shea Given. Yeah. I always felt quite bad about the way that he was kind of just like ditched as soon as Joe yes. Hart came back from Mancini. But I think that's that's just Mancini's way, wasn't it? Like once you once you're not his guy anymore, that's it. You're ditched. Yeah. So who, who's your defender? Uh, right, I, I, we we tried to avoid City players, but there was no way that I could not have Vincent Company as my one yes. defender for a five-a-side team. Um, is what more can you say about Vincent Company? If, if worst case scenario, we're losing one nil and it gets to the end, and then you can just slam it in from the other <laughs> end of the pitch. Uh, he's yeah, he's just by far the best defender that I've ever seen in my life. Um, probably probably maybe ever will, especially in a City shirt. Probably probably ever will, uh, and everything that comes with it as well. The leadership, everything. It's just. Yeah. Oh, I love him. I've I've tried to be a clever ass like I have with Shea Given. Really, I've gone for Ledley King. Um, okay. You know, there's possibly well, there probably is. You know, far better pl- uh, defenders <clears> out there. But I think had he not succumbed to such cruel kind of you know, injuries, yeah. Um, when he was fit, when he was in his prime, Ledley King was just the business. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've gone for him. So I've, I've kind of you know hands up there. I've tried to be maybe a bit too clever. And, <laughs> you know, even amongst his teammates, I could probably go for you know Sol Campbell might make better sense. But um, no, I've, I've gone for King. I, I think if you just look at it, pure talent. I think is, it, is it, what is the highlights of the game? Is it the Chelsea game that highlights that yes. always go around where you just shut down Iron Robin and yeah. just was yeah on pure talent. Just looking at that, like he was he was such a good defender. And like you say, it's just a shame that injuries got him and he just he. he had to retire so early and just wasn't really the Funny same. Funny enough, if someone said to me, you know, who was he most like, I would say Vincent Gumley in terms of his yeah. kind of defending style. I think they were very kind of similar. So, um, right. So I kind of give a game away as to who my midfielder is. Um, yeah. It's Paul Scholes because yeah. it just, I can't think of anyone better really to just tick things over. The yeah. short passes, the long passes, the, you know, the, the passing range yeah. um, would make him ideal for five sides. So, I hate myself saying it, but I've gone for skulls. Uh, is is what it, I've I've got a United player in mind as well, right. so it's it's fine. So who's yours? Um, right, so well, mine's uh, mine's Ronaldo. Mm. Um, I think just if you're on a five a side team, and just, I think that last se- that last season of Ronaldo at United was when he was just like Fergie just let him off the leash, and yeah. he was just like he was he was doing all sorts of tricks. He was doing. He was doing everything. He was basically just, if he wanted to, if he wanted to run the full length of the pitch and try and score, then 
I think Fergie was like, if that's what you feel like you should do, <laughs> then do it. And and I think I think I think we saw the most fun Cristiano Ronaldo when he was in the Premier League. I think he's become incredibly efficient and and good since Ooh. then. He's been he's been the best player, one of the best players in the world for the last decade. So. But yeah, I, I I think that that season of Ronaldo that we got of him in the Premier League was just was just great, and for a five a side team as well, that kind of trickery as well is just ideal. I completely agree. He would just be incredible in five side, and my second midfielder has been chosen specifically because it's five a side and in the same kind of um, thing as Ronaldo, but a different skill set entirely. I'm going for Yaya Torre. Oh, okay. Um, I think I've got a pretty similar one to you then in that case. Just that kind of, he's just going to knock everyone over, isn't he? He's just yeah. going to bulldoze yeah. through and, and, you know, he'll be unplayable on a, on a small, smaller area as that. So, I did, I did yeah. think about putting him in as well, but I thought, no, I've already got company. I'm going to have to keep it to one city. Otherwise, I'm just going to make a Manchester City five-a-side <laughs> team at this rate. So who, who's your second midfielder? My second one is uh, Patrick Vieira. Um, yes. So yeah. I've gone for I went for a bit of like a hard man in the middle who's just gonna who's just anyone who tries to get past him no chance he'll yeah, just yeah, uh, he'll, he'll have you that would be some contest wouldn't it oh yeah absolutely yeah I think I think Vieira fully enough Vieira is another one of those players who um, who is one of the because because I, I grew up like watching a lot of that because I didn't have Sky Sports and I was little so I didn't really have much exposure to watching Premier League teams outside of like highlights and like match of the day and stuff like that yeah um, so for me like that Arsenal team being uh, as good as they were at that time like Vieira was another one alongside Henri who was like one of the ones when I first watched and I was like I really like this guy and the fact that he came to Manchester City like for one season before he retired was like that was that was kind of like a nice little thing for me to watch him play for us and be yes. yeah. Be and, and uh, like we've said before, do that sort of that deeper role where he just like just commands it from the middle. Um, but yeah, I, 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 same as company, like the leadership that he'd bring as well. Like no one's no one's beating that five aside team for leadership. So you've got Czech in goal, you've got yep. Vinny at the back, you've got Vieira kind of holding the fort midfield, spraying it yep. about. You've got Ronaldo doing all kinds of kind of wonderful tricks and flicks. And yep. who's scoring the goals? Uh, it's it's Thierry Henry. It's kind of it's the same as the first it's same as the first question, but it's uh yeah for a goal scorer I couldn't think of anybody. Maybe Alan Shearer, maybe, mm. but um yeah no I just thought I just thought I'd go for Thierry Henry just for just I've I just realised at the time my logic was pace, but we're on a five a side pitch, so pace isn't really going to come into it too much there. Mm-hmm. But um, in, but yeah 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 but um but yeah no it's uh, it's 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 got to be Henry for me. If I can't pick if I can't pick Aguero, I'll have to go for Henry <laughs> instead. Well, my answer, like written down, was Henri slash Burkamp, and I could yeah. not make up my mind between the two. So yeah. if you're going for Thierry, I'll, I'll go for Burkamp. Burkamp is another one I considered. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, just Burkamp with kind of um, skulls and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I could watch that. That, fir- that, that first touch of his would be would yeah. be immense on a five a side pitch. Right. Well, I reckon those two five side teams would cause anyone pretty much a lot of damage. Um, yeah. And now complete change attack. Um, moving on to what kit they'll be wearing. Um, I kind of really struggled to, to pick this out to kind of Google it and look around. And I thought I would basically be bowled over by the choices, but in the event, there was only two that stood out for me. So, <laughs> um, like non-city. I mean, God, if it was city kit, I could talk all day long. But, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, non-city favorite kits in the Premier League era. So uh, there's a there's a strong Arsenal theme running through this for me, hmm. um, but yeah, the oh five oh six um, Burgundy Arsenal yeah, home kit yeah. that was that was that one was iconic for me. Um, that one and the oh, was it the was it the was it the Invincible season one the the 
the one that had the where they were still sponsored by O2 and like oh, white, yeah, yeah. just a classic red shirt, white sleeves. Those two, those two are very um, were ones for me. But yeah, the the O five O six burgundy one has got to be number one for me because that was just I love burgundy kits. I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed that we we haven't had another one since um, since the eleven twelve season for for City. But um, yeah, I just all about it. All about the burgundy kits. I like I struggled. I, I there was a West Brom one a few years ago where they went completely retro and had this kind of plain sixty style kit. I loved that one, plain white. Um, yeah, is when Lescott played for West Brom. I remember that. Uh, the other was Googled, which was an early nineties um, North Forest one with a kind of very thin kind of um, white stripes going down. Yeah, red. Uh, I thought that looked beautiful. Um, but yeah, I thought there'd be more choices really, and, and it's quite depressing because should we kind of go further back in time to the eighties and seventies? I don't know. Kits were just more distinctive, weren't they? And they were so kind yeah. of yeah. I think the I think the the sort of the novelty the the event of like basically with it's it's a bit of just a three horse race now for kit designs, isn't it? It's Nike, mm. Adidas, and Puma, and they've all got they've all got templates. And if you you know very few teams stray away from those templates, so yeah, it's it feels like kits are very much like a bit of much of a muchness at the moment, and probably yeah. have been for a while. Another one that I had actually that I put down here, and I feel a bit I feel a bit dirty for thinking it. Um, is the United um, the the um, Busby game memorial home oh, yeah. kit where yeah. we played against we where both of the teams just played in blue and um, red just plain kits. Yeah. I just really li- I just really like that. Sim- I think there's a picture of um, Ronaldo wearing that kit, and I just I just quite like the simplicity of it, and it kind of really makes me kind of yearn for. And that's what the- I think this is why I like Roma's kits so much because they don't have sponsors on them. Yeah. I mean sponsors can look good, but I, I just. You know, it makes me kind of long for the days where they they aren't plastered over every single shirt, and you at least have the choice not to not to do it. Well, I, I've pitched that idea to a couple of places in the past six months and got turned down both times. But I think there's an article to be to be written on when sponsors actually, you know, make kits look better. Oh uh, yeah, and absolutely. I think the hard and fast rule pretty much is striped kits. They do they can sometimes look quite good on on striped yeah. kits. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. And I, I normally kind of favour the simplicity. Um, and yeah, it, it's why I chose West Brom really, just a plain white kit. Just, yeah, it, it, you know, why complicate matters really. But okay, uh, the next question, um, God, this I've sport for choice for this one. I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> you too. Um, which yeah. player from any era do you wish you could have seen play live? So, there's two for this one. The first one, um, is Colin Bell, oh, um, God, yeah. just purely because I've watched David Silver play for Manchester City for the last 10 years and I'm I'm convinced that I will never see anybody as good as him play for us again. Mm. Um, but obviously people who are old enough to have watched Colin Bell in his peak often say that he's the only person who could ever possibly rival him. So I've always sort of wanted to be able to really know that for myself and just be able to see it. Um, he's the he's the first like obvious one that comes up because obviously he's a Manchester City player as well. Um, but yeah, I just I'd, I'd like to be able to make the decision for myself and 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 know really who is the better of the two. Yeah, and who was who was the second? Sorry, the second oh. one was um, the second one was Diego Maradona. Oh um, God, yes, I've got his. Yeah. I've got the. I've got the documentary of his recorded from last week. I've still got to watch it. But yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like he's one of those players where again because because everyone talks about Messi as being one of the best, and a lot of people say that Maradona's kind of the only player who could have rivaled him. And I'd like to. I just want to know how. Uh, how accurate that actually is. Well, it's actually, you've gone for Maradona because I've gone for an Argentinian kind of going even further back, which is De Stefano. Um, oh, yeah. Because of all the great players, I've either seen 
live, you know, in the modern era, or, you know, I've seen kind of YouTube clips and, and watched kind of on, you know, VHS back in the day. I don't think I've seen more than maybe 20 seconds of the Stefano. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just purely going on the word of those who were around at the time. And um, so I'd just love to see for myself kind of what all the fuss was about, really. Cause... Yeah, because he's, he's a player who's sort of from that era before before when it was all like really widely available on like video, wasn't yeah. it? So it was like it was, you, you sort of only have... It's kind of like Pele, like where you've only really got a lot of people's words... And a lot of the time you've only really got Pele's words to go off how good he actually was. <laughs> Uh, it's all a lot, it's all a lot of um, it's a lot of just hearsay and like you want to be able to actually watch it and like make a you know make a decision for yourself really which is uh, yeah which is a bit frustrating when there's not any highlights to go back and make that decision. No, but I mean all his supposed thousand goals and all of <clears> it and a lot of them were in training and all that nonsense. Of course, you know I'm not suggesting for one minute that he wasn't a very good footballer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pele Pele was a fraud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the final question is to name a non-city game. Premier League or otherwise, that means a lot to you, uh, you know, for personal reasons and for yeah. whatever reason that may be. Uh, there's, so there's two for this one as well. So the first one is um, Stockport v Wolves. Um, so Stockport, uh, Wolves won four one. Um, it was it's the first it's the first game that I ever went to. Um, right. I was nine, um, and the the main reason why I remember it is because we were sat in the away end and I was I was. I was very young and um basically when Wolves' first goal was a penalty and like I was really I was I was like it like clutching me dad like hmm. scared that it was going to be loud when everyone celebrated around us. <laughs> and um and, and yes, yeah, so it was it was it was quite but the main memory that I have from that is um is Mark Kennedy. Um he scored a, a thirty yard left foot volley, like That's right nasty. in front of right in front of where we were uh, where we were stood and I, I had the perf it was it was one of those where it was to the left of the penalty area and like I had that perfect angle of watching it go from there like into the opposite top corner. Yeah. And it was uh yeah, it was it was that was uh that's definitely one of them for me because it was just like I said, it was the first game I ever went to and it was uh, it was pretty memorable highlight as well. Why were you in the away end? Uh, but my dad's a Wolves fan. Oh right. Um, so right. a lot of and a lot of his family are as well. So um yeah, they sort of had tickets for the game. And obviously because Stockport's like right down the road, it was like, oh we'll go and we'll go and see it. I think about my uncle because my uncle used to sort of loosely follow Stockport. Mm. Um so yeah, he, he came along for it as well. So he just sort of made a bit of a David really and went to uh went to went to watch the game. But it was uh, yeah, it was great. I don't know I, I kinda have like a bit of a soft spot for Wolves as a result of that, but uh so I I've always like even when they got relegated and went down to League One and stuff like that, I always kept like a bit of an eye on them but um yeah well i, I often it kind of crosses my mind when i see a wonder goal um you know that, there's going to be someone in the crowd who's, <coughs> whose first game it is yeah absolutely like a, a goal like that can just like that can be the difference between you coming away from that game and just being like oh it's fine or like that was that was like a pro- like I I probably wouldn't remember, be able to remember really anything of that if it wasn't for that goal. Yeah. But um, like goals like that can really just like sort of capture the imagination. Just like have you just really appreciate how good football can be. Well, my first ever game was Wrexham nil, Shrewsbury Town one, and the goal was scored at the far end, and it was a goal mouth scramble. So, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's that's iconic stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what's your second game? Uh, the second one, uh, so the second one for me is not a club game, um, but it's the it's sort of the first England game that I can really properly remember. It was uh, England v Greece, the uh, mm. Beckham's Beckham's iconic free kick that even watching it now like it doesn't it doesn't get any it doesn't get any less good. Hmm. Um, at the time, I didn't really understand like what the actual. I only knew that if we scored, then we would definitely go in. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't really. Under- I didn't really know that there was like. I couldn't really understand that there was like another method that we could have potentially gone well, through. Here's if the thing, it because or... I forgot about that completely, and Howard <clears> ruined <throat> it for me. Because Howard yeah. put it on Twitter recently, and I was like, "Oh, of course there was a playoff. Why did I forget that?" That's it. Like whenever you see it go round now, it's always like, "Well, yeah, but we could have gone through anyway." And it's like, "Well, yeah, but ah, oh, come on, don't take don't take that memory away from me." Like <laughs> it was, it was, it was great. But yeah, no, that that goal is just and. David Beckham's another one of those players who was like sort of an icon of like the Premier League for me. And just like, it was, even though he was a United player, it, it, it kind of almost, because of who Beckham was, it kind of like tra- transcended the fact that he was a United player, especially when you were a kid. Mm. And um, yeah, but that, that, that goal in that game, it's just, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, well, I've got two games and none of them are club games um, and both were against Belgium. Um, oh, okay. England against Belgium in 1990. Um I know, you know, obviously the semi-final against Germany has gone down in folklore, but yeah. um, you know, the quarter-final against Belgium was an amazing game. You know, David Platt's goal, uh, last-minute winner, um, and I was 14, and I was at the mate's house, and we just went absolutely crazy uh, in his living room, and his, his mum kind of ran in from the kitchen and joined in the cell. It was just a really lovely game. <laughs> um, and then nearly a quarter of a century later, uh, Wales, Wales with Belgium in the Euros recently, um, oh, of course, yeah. That was, oh God, I mean, that was so highly charged, so emotional. Watching watching Hal Robson Canoe just spin yeah. Jason Denea. Yeah, what a moment that was. And, and you know, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of drink was drunk. And, um, basically <laughs> I can all, imagine. Yeah, I mean, you know, this town <clears throat> is, uh, it likes a drink, it's fair to say. Yeah. And, and yeah. that particular night, we really did like our drink. And yeah, it was an incredible night that. And I've always been proud to be Welsh, but that was one where it's just, you know, you can't articulate it. You know, yeah. it's just, it means just everything. I think that was, I think that was one of those, the Euros then was sort of one of those where, because obviously you'll know better than me, but obviously in Wales, like, cause I have a few Wales, relatives that are Welsh and they're mm. like, they're very much rugby people and they're not yes. really too fussed about football. But I think that, that tournament sort of like made a lot of Welsh people just sort of like really get behind the, the Welsh national team and stuff like that. Especially after, especially after you had before that, like Ryan Giggs basically just decided he couldn't be bothered with Welsh games and stuff yeah. like that and everything like that. And then to have like an actual team of people who clearly loved playing for Wales and like really enjoyed it. And Chris Coleman got like the most out of them and everything like that. I think it was just, uh, it was, it was quite a good time for Wales. Like. Well, I mean, we've had so much kind of history of near misses in terms of qualification, yeah. you know, so many times we went to the wire, we lost to Romania, we lost <clears> twice to Scotland and every time it was just so close to actually reaching a major final. So to get to a major and then yeah. play like we did is... Oh yeah, Gareth Bale in that tournament was something else as well. I think yeah. he was... Uh, he, he was, I think a lot of people said that he kind of... He almost carried Wales, but I think, um, yeah, he was, he was... That was when he was sort of in his peak at Real Madrid for Gareth Bale. Yeah. Right, well, I've really enjoyed this. It's just good to chat about football and not this kind of... Um pandemic it's yeah. a nice it's nice to it's nice to remember that football exists again exactly yeah and <laughs> I, I hope you guys listening in as well have, have enjoyed it too and it's just been kind of a, a bit of respite really from all the kind of concerns going on right now and um, and hopefully we'll do some more of these because um yeah it's just always good to talk football and absolutely and one day football will return and that'll be you know our priority once again and um, well thank you very much for joining me today joe yeah, thank you very much for having me. I've been a I've, I've been a long time listener of the ninety three twenty pod since uh, pretty much since it started. So mm. yeah, to to be on here is a bit uh, a bit surreal. But yeah, thank you, thank you very much for having me. Well, welcome back anytime, mate. And um, and thank you very much for for listening in. And please check out the other podcasts and all the other content on the ninety three twenty uh, site. Um, 
And yeah, the main thing is just keep safe, everyone, and up the blues. <laughs>